The players voted, and now we have the announcement. NC State picks their five captains for the 2023 football season. You are Locked On Wolfpack, your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Wolfpack Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Wolfpack. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter the promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Actually... I got my bird dogs hat right here for reference. You can get a free white tech hat with any purchase. As always, I'm Grayson Boone. Joining me today is Kenton Gibbs. And Kenton, we have our announcement of the five captains for the 2023 football season. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think any of these come as a surprise. At least I'd say probably four of them are no surprise at all. But going from left to right here, you have center Dylan McMahon. Linebacker, Peyton Wilson. Wide receiver, Keon Lassane. Quarterback, QB1, Brennan Armstrong. And defensive uh, defensive end, Davin Van. Kenton, what, what intrigues you the most out of these five here? Uh, Dylan McMahon's haircut. The flow is impeccable. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, I, I really am not that surprised by any of these picks. I'm not looking at any of these picks like, wow, that's a – that's a crazy thing there. And and honestly, even in terms of like omissions, I'm not like, oh my God, this guy in the captain. I mean, maybe you could ask the question of like, what's why isn't Aiden White there? But even with that, it's like every player is different. You know, some players, when they when they do their deal, they just, hey, I just show up, do what I do. I don't need to speak. I don't need to do all the things, which is kind of the role that Peyton Wilson occupied for multiple years, right? Like when he uh, led the team or led the ACC in tackles. He was still not a guy that was very vocal and speaks about it now, how, you know, he this year kind of thrust him into being more vocal and thrust him into being more of a uh, guy who who gets the team going a little bit or gets the defense going at minimum uh, with his words. And so the, the team captain vote isn't all that surprising. I mean, these five absolute studs, they all bring uh, something different, but the same if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's the whole uh, Kobe Bryant, different animal, same beast type thing here. Like this, all these guys have, they're, they're guys that if you ask around the program about them, they chop wood and carry water. They show up day in, day out. They want to get it done day in, day out. These are the guys that are going to be the first ones in, the last ones out. And and so seeing these five be the captains, not really anything that's a head scratcher or like a really, huh, type of deal. Yeah, of course, just kind of getting into all of them here, starting with Dylan McMahon. You know, he is expected to be the the, the anchor for this offensive line here in 2023. Of course, he is shifting over to – sorry, I clicked the wrong background. He is shifting over uh, to play center, uh, yeah. which we saw a little bit of the end of last year. But it's a new position for him, but he's going to be the guy that they're all looking toward to center this group. So it's going to be imperative that he demonstrates leadership – 
game in and game out, day in, day out in practice. He needs to be the guy. And so it's it's good to see that he was elected here. Of course, Peyton Wilson, yeah. I mean, this was probably the most obvious choice um, of any here. He's he's the alpha wolf in the defense. This, this essentially, it is his defense. I feel comfortable in saying that. This is his defense to lead. And so that, of course, makes all the sense in the world. Keon Lassane is the one where, you know, I, I do understand it. I think they made a good choice here, but I just feel like more than more often than not, you don't really see a wide receiver chosen as a captain. But I have to say on that, Keon is the right choice here to, to be a captain, especially for this wide receiving room. You know, we, we've heard this from Coach Dorn. We've heard this from Coach and I that Keon was the guy that stepped up over the summer getting all of the wide receiver guys together and saying, listen, I'm leading this. You y'all follow me. We're going to work out together. We're going to build this chemistry and we're going to hit the ground running when fall camp runs. He was the guy to do that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, of course this is the right guy to be leading and to be named a captain. So I'm very happy for Keon to get that, uh, to get that role there. Brendan Armstrong, of course, again, not really a surprise. However, I love that he was elected to be a captain here. Of course, he is QB1, and so, yeah, you're virtually always going to have your QB1 be a captain, but it's cool to me because this, of course, was a player vote, so this tells me that he came into the program, much like he said, much like Coach Dorn has said, he put his head down, he went to work, and his peers have respected him for it. He's won over the team, and that's exactly what you want to be doing uh, heading into first game here next week. And then, of course, Davin Van, you know, projected to be a breakout monster on this defensive line. So he makes all the sense in the world to be a captain on on that front. But, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm very pleased with these choices. I To be honest with you, I don't know if I would change any or add any. Maybe you could add an Aiden White because he's kind of the captain of the secondary, I guess you could say. But I, I think they hit the, the nail on the head here with these five choices. Yeah, and and again, there's there's different types of people. If you, and this is not a knock against this young man, fantastic young man. I've actually every time I've spoken to him, I've enjoyed and all that. If you've ever spoken to Aiden White for like an extended period of time, you can kind of tell that he's not the most extroverted, like outward. I can talk to anybody about anything type of guy. Yeah. Now I'm sure with the people who know him, they'll tell you when you get him to open up to you, it'll be great, and he'll talk to you a lot. But it, you know, we kind of had to drag out of him do you think you're the best corner in the ACC when we were at media days, right? And that humility is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's not something that, you know, I'm looking at and saying is a knock, but I get it. I get it. It's not a, you know, it's not a crazy thing or not a, a detractor against him uh, that he's not a captain. And again, he wasn't the captain last year and, right. and you saw what he did. So, you know, it, it's not, it's not just, there are two different ways to lead by word and by deed. And, and so, He's a guy, he leads by D. He, you know, he may not be the, the biggest talker. He may not be the guy that's that's uh, yelling to get it going and all that good stuff. He leads by D, and that's all I need to see. Yeah, I, I did kind of throw him a little bit of a bone uh, at ACC kickoff, and I just straight up asked him, where do you feel like you stand uh, amongst the ranks of the elite? And he said, hey, I feel like I'm the best, and I can't wait to show you all. And so I Absolutely. love that response from Aiden. But, yeah, he is – he is a little softer spoken. He's probably reserved, keeps himself a little bit. But when he puts on the pads and he steps onto that field, you know very well who Mr. Aiden White is. And I expect a whole lot more of that 
from him this fall. So for sure, again, for sure. these five, I think they, they nailed it. I'm looking forward to these five demonstrating the leadership qualities that we need to be seeing in order to experience all the success we're hoping to have in 2023. So this was good to see and very glad to, uh, to know they made the right choices here coming into the season. We're going to kick it to our sponsors for today. That is bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. Point blank period. They're, Stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh, giving you a truly sculpted look. Of course, we're heading into the fall season. Be sure to check out their khaki pants as well. Maybe you're a golfer. They work perfectly on the golf course. They also have joggers. They sent me a pair. They're uh, they're slim fitting. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put it to you that way. But they're going to look good on me year-round, feel comfortable, breathable, everything you want in a pair of shorts or a pair of pants. So, what you need to do is head over to birddogs.com slash college or enter the promo code in all caps LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash college or the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free white tech hat. We won't wanna, you won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. All right. We now welcome on special guest Noah Teague of the Technician at NC State. He is in a an assistant sports editor. Welcome, Noah, to Locked on Wolfpack. Absolutely. I appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to bringing on all these guests here, trying to burn some more time before we get to official game week, so we certainly appreciate you coming on. But just about you before we get into the football-wise stuff, what kind of got you into journalism and what's been sort of your favorite thing so far writing for The Technician? Absolutely. So I've just always loved sports, always loved watching them. And I knew pretty much as soon as I got on campus that I wanted to do something with it and just kind of got connected early on with some folks at the technician and started writing, Uh, got real involved with football in the fall and then baseball over in the spring. And I have not looked back since. Good deal. And you're a sophomore, so you've already have kind of one year under your belt. So far, what's been your favorite event to cover? Oh, man, there's been a lot of good ones, but I would say the best one was covering the Columbia Regional down in South Carolina. Um, Just seeing postseason baseball was that was special. Well, good deal. I'm I'm a big baseball guy myself. So maybe if you become a recurring guest here, we could certainly have you on a lot more often uh, during baseball season. But all right, so let's get into football. That's what we're all here to listen to. First question. And this is this is an honesty question. Where do you personally stand on the quarterback situation? Now, when we brought in Brennan Armstrong, were you a bit hesitant because you were an MJ Morris guy? Because a lot of NC State fans are still holding on to that opinion. So I want to hear it from you. How do you feel? What's your temperature on the quarterback situation? I feel pretty good about the quarterback situation. I think that the team has two very good options that it can go with, but I do think that Armstrong, with his experience, with his knowledge of the game, is probably the best option for this season. You know, when you pick your quarterback, you want to pick the guy that's going to give you the best chance for this year. You can't be worried about the future with the transfer portal and all of that. So I think Armstrong is the the right guy, and especially coming into Robert and I's system, He's familiar with it, and I think he has the potential to thrive, especially behind what should be a promising offensive squad. There's some good backs that he can rely on with Allen and Houston, an upgraded offensive line for sure, because what he was working with with Virginia was just not at the same caliber that he has now at State. So 
I'm expecting them to have a pretty big bounce back year this year. You know, I, I look at um, I look at the situation with the quarterbacks and I I've been trying to tell the fans all along. Doesn't matter who your guy is. Please understand you are not in the huddle from day to day. You are not there. I promise you, most of the practices are closed off to the media, let alone to normal people. You don't know what's going on. We can project all day and night. If you were to ask me, Ken, the Martians got the, the death being pointed at Earth. Which player do you think will be better in terms of their peak down the line? I for sure say MJ. But if, like you said, it's not about the future. It's about right now. And if you ask me who's better right now, I would say I don't know, which means I defer to the coaches and let them make the choice because my lights are going to be on whether or not it's MJ, whether or not it's Brennan, whether or not Brennan is 2022 or 2020 Brennan or 2021 Brennan. So, you know, I, I just don't put too much stock in it to get worked up on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Brennan's arm, Brennan Armstrong's talent and his potential is still very high with what we saw in 2021. He had one of the best seasons in ACC history. So if that's what your ceiling is, then you're you're cooking. I do think it's kind of crazy how often that gets overlooked is like it's it's exactly what you just said. He had one of the best seasons in ACC history and people are so quick to write him off because of some maybe some turnover struggles and Virginia, I mean, they were a mess last year. They're flat out a mess. And, and 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 Noah, you were at I met Noah. I'm sorry to cut you off, Grayson. No, you're good, you're good. I met Noah at ACC Media Days. Now, were you there on the day that Virginia was there, Noah? I was there. Let me let me just ask you this. How, like, on a scale of one to ten, one being like, no, I'm never playing for this guy a day in my life. Ten being I will run through a brick wall to get an orange on the other side for this guy. How inspiring was Tony Elliott to you? Probably about a zero. Oh man. <laughs> oh, that's that's cold. Just to just to I be would have said a three but, with you. But you're right. You're right. I <laughs> I agree. Tony Elliott just I I very seriously I think he was a really good coordinator. I don't see it as a head coach. I honestly don't see it in any capacity. And I think that that we always talk about it's not your X's and O's, it's your Larry's and your Joes. But we saw it with Coach Beck last year. Sometimes your X's and O's can bury your Larry's and Joes under a pile of hey. You know what we're going to run again? Quarterback power draw. That's what we're going to run for the fourth time this game. So kind of building off of that a little bit, who is, I mean, in this offense, who is the the guy you're probably most excited to see outside of a Brennan Armstrong? For sure. I would say I'm looking at a lot of the wide receivers, and there's so many options that could break out that it's hard to pinpoint just one. I think you look at what Terrell Timmons did last year, um, and obviously he didn't have the volume that a lot of guys have, but he has that ability to make big plays, especially with his size and his speed. And so he could be a potential breakout that I'm really excited to see, especially in Robert and I's offense, interested to see how they use him both as a deep threat, but also in the short to intermediate game. Um, additionally, I'm really excited about seeing Julian Gray. You've seen on his kickoffs, he has the speed to blow past anyone and so I am very excited to see what Robert and I does with that. And the last guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing this year is Keon Lassane. He's the top leading receiver from last year. And from everything that you're seeing, whether being named a team captain or just good practice reports, it seems like there's a lot of buzz around him. And he's, 
shown flashes, especially in that Wake Forest game. He made a couple incredible touchdown catches. And so I'm very excited to see what Robert and I does with all these wide receivers to put together an offense around Brennan Armstrong. And I think Keon Lassane is a guy that, you know, he's he's gotten better and better each year. Like, I think he's gotten to the point where you can't ignore him or pretend that he's an offense. He's a dog. He's a baller. He shows up. And, and the interesting thing about Lashane is you don't think of the speed of a Julian Gray. You don't think of the size of a, uh, a Mecca Mezzi or a Calvin Harmon. You don't think of necessarily um, the, the you, you really just don't think of any one thing that stands out and says he is different in this regard. He's not like everybody else, but he does the ordinary extraordinarily well. That's what it is about him. If they say three yards stop, he's going to get to that three yards and he's going to stop. If they say, hey, we need you to block on this play, you're going to see him blocking his tail off, giving everything that he's got. And so it's absolutely amazing to see what he can bring to the table because at this point in time, he's old enough to where that game is fully slowed down for. He knows the coverages he's going to see. He should know the playbook. I mean, even though it's a new one for him, he should know the playbook. And by all reports, he does know the playbook very well. So it's going to be great to see what he can bring this season. And now kind of going to the inverse of that, what position groups or maybe areas or scheming, what do you think needs the most attention here before we kick off in just about a week? Uh, Yeah, I think that for the most part, there's a lot of solid groups, but one group to watch is the offensive line. I agree. Um, Just because you're losing some very talented players, especially with Grant Gibson, your center, who that role is going to be so important for not just the blocking, but the communication up front. You're losing Chandler Zavala, who was just a mauler. And so replacing some of that talent on the interior of the offensive line is always going to be tricky, no matter who you have behind them. So that's one area to watch, especially when it comes to when it's late in football games and you need to run the football. You need that interior line to be strong. And so that's an area that... Um, I think there's definitely potential. There's a lot of options for NC State to use, but it's very unproven, and so we will see what happens there. And here I was before the show started saying, oh, we're not going to get too deep into X and O weeds and all that good stuff. (laughs) Here here comes Noah. When it's time to ice the game, you need to run the football. You understand? That that passing nonsense. But what, what else should I expect from a writer at the technician? We produce the best. You know, we don't we don't just let any riffraff in our newsroom, especially for sports, especially not covering football, because that's what every sports writer wants to do. So you got to do something special to get that assignment. But uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that assessment a thousand percent. And we've actually talked about the O-line depth as a concern a little bit on this show before, because, I mean, with all due respect, we saw what happened last year when Greg Gibson went down. And all of a sudden, Dylan McMahon got kicked over the center and we had to have some twos in. And the offensive line looked discombobulated, confused at some points uh, without Greg Gibson in. And so this year, we're kind of in a similar situation that, you know, we're hoping and praying that this whole line stays as healthy as possible because, I mean, two injuries and all of a sudden, we really don't know what's happening there. Absolutely. Right. And now we're just going to jump right into it, Noah. We were gonna, we're going to get to your season predictions for NC State. I'm going to pull up the schedule here. We're going to go through game by game. You don't have to give something, a crazy synopsis, but we're just going to move through this. Tell us win or loss, maybe a couple sentences why, and then we'll get to your overall prediction. So we're going to start on the road, UConn, week one. What are your thoughts? 
I feel good about this game. I think that even with it being on the road, you saw last year the talent differential. And even as an ascending program, UConn's not at the talent level as state. So that should be a pretty comfortable win. Yeah, I, I've seen some people have the feeling that it could be a trap game. Listen, this it's not the same UConn that we saw last year by any stretch of the imagination. No. They are better than what we you know saw from them. However, we're more talented in every facet of the game, and I think that's exactly what you're going to see uh, this coming Thursday. So how about a big-time home game? Notre Dame, week two. What you got? Yeah, it should be a great matchup. Um, I wish it was at night because that might give the pack that extra edge to <laughs> yeah. get over the top. But uh, with all things considered, I do have Notre Dame winning this one. I think it'll be close for a while, but I think Notre Dame, just with their talent up front on the offensive and defensive lines, is going to be able to, especially late in the game, bully, bully ball their way to a win. And so I have NC State dropping to one and one there. I believe – I believe Kenton and I both do as well. I mean, that's that's a tough litmus test of a game, especially so early in the season when you still have some pieces to figure out. But something to note here, Sam Hartman, 0-2 all-time in Carter-Finley. It's just <laughs> could, a fact. Could if, be the X factor. If you can stop it, an offensive line that's big and as physical with theirs is 3-3-5, we may need to build a statue outside of Carter-Finley next to the wolves of Coach Gibson standing there. Uh, you know, looking like he's ready to call up the best dog possible because that's that's a tall order. All right. Now, respectfully, I feel like I know your answer for VMI. Go ahead. Should be a should okay. be easy win. All right. So two and one. Fourth game on the road, UVA. What do you have? Yeah, I think that this one is going to be another pretty comfortable win for the pack. Uh, Virginia brought in a good quarterback in Tony Musket from Monmouth, and so maybe they have something there, but I just don't see their overall talent matching what NC State has, especially with the Wolfpack being such an established program. So another easy win. Okay. Now this next one is Louisville, and I know you are very high on Louisville coming into this season, so what are your thoughts here? I am, I, and it's not just the schedule. I love a lot of the players that Louisville brought in. <laughs> a lot of their offensive talent that they have. So I do have Louisville just barely winning this one. I think okay. that they brought in some good transfers with Jamari Trice at wide receiver. Uh, they have a very, very good uh, running back in Jawar Jordan, and their offensive line is one of the more underrated ones. And so I think Louisville is one of the sleepers in the ACC. So, Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, Louisville is a big question mark, at least in my mind this year. I, I truly don't know how it's all going to turn out for them. They did do very well in the transfer portal, but they're kind of similar to a Miami, in my opinion. It's just there's so many invariables that you just don't know how it's going to come out in the wash. But I think that game will be a tough game, but I, I do think NC State's going to find a way to knock them off there. Jack Plummer ain't his daddy, okay? With all <laughs> due respect, I know all three of us grew up watching Jake the Snake do it. He could absolutely fling it. That man was a, a bad man. That was a bad man. Jack ain't Jake. And that's all I got to say about it. Pack info. <laughs> all right. Game six, Marshall, the herd come into Raleigh. Feels like we've been playing them somewhat regularly. I think we played them twice in the last five or six years. But what do you have for Marshall? Yeah, I think this should be a fun game. Marshall could hang around a little bit in the first quarter. We saw them pull a huge upset last year over Notre Dame. Yep. But once again, I think NC State by this point is going to be clicking offensively. I think that Brennan Armstrong – now, with his guys, we'll have 
his set receivers where he knows this is my guys that I'm going to, this is what we're going to run. And I really think that the offense will pretty much overwhelm Marshall and what they got going on. So it should be a fun game and should be another Wolfpack win. I agree with you there. All right. Next one on the road in Duke. Now this is an interesting one in my mind as well. I think it kind of poses a maybe a little bit of a trap game, although I do think Duke might be better than some folks think this year. What do you think about going on the road to Durham? Yeah, I mean, I'm actually a bit lower on Duke than a lot of people. Um, they had a lot of very close wins, and even though they won a bunch of games, they still ended up losing games to teams like Georgia Tech. And so credit to Mike Elko for really turning that program around just in one year, but I'm I'm still a little hesitant to buy into the Duke hype. I have NC State winning this one and looking pretty good going into Clemson. Okay, and then Clemson, the big one, the biggest home game of the year. It's homecoming. What are we we took care of business last time they were in town in 2021. What do you think about Clemson in 2023? Man, this one I wish I could pick the upset, but it's one of those things where Clemson just has so much talent. Um the one thing that could give the pack an edge where they could pull the upset is if Clemson's receivers don't hit, if Cade Klubnick still has to take his lumps in year two, then you could see the Wolfpack make things interesting and possibly pull an upset. But I do believe that with the talent that the Tigers have, especially on defense, that Clemson's going to come away with this one. But should at least be a close competitive game. Okay. So I believe now I'm, I'm tracking what you say here. I think you have us at four and three. Miami at home. What do you have there? Yeah, I think that the team bounces back nicely. Uh, there was just a lot of issues when you watch Miami from last year. Yep. Just did not look like a very well-organized team. And so, while I definitely expect improvement for them, I think that NC State, with the culture they have, with the talent that they have already established, that they should be able to take care of business. And with it being at home, that's just an added bonus. So chalk up another NC State victory. Okay. Do you think we can snap the Winston-Salem curse on the road and beat Wake Forest this year? Man, this is one of those games where it is almost 50-50 in my mind because I think Wake Forest does have a very good team. And I think that I think Wake just barely pulls this one out, whether it's like a last-minute field goal or a pick six right at the end or something. I think they find a way. Uh, you can't make up NC State stuff. It just it just <laughs> happens. I, so give that one to the Deeks. I mean this very genuinely. If NC State finds a way to lose this this game to a Donovan Greenless Wake Forest, heads need to roll. Somebody needs to not have a job leaving there. I don't know who. But somebody needs to not have a job. I don't know if it's a player who needs to go. I don't know if it's a coach who needs to. Somebody needs to get their tail up out that seat that they're in currently. If if we walk out of Wake Forest this year, looking back and saying, oh, man, Bill Smith and, and Mitch Griffiths beat us. Yeah, okay. All right. I don't not know, man. Know. Dave Clawson has a quite a history with quarterbacks, so Mitch Griffiths could be the next one. Here's the thing. Dave Clawson, I talked about the ACC media days. His teams win exactly 15 games every two years. It doesn't matter how many they won a year before. For example, they won four games one year, won 11 the next, went to the uh, ACC championship. They're on pace. They won, I want to say, what was it, seven or eight last year? So they're on pace for exactly seven or eight this year. The Wolfpack better not be one of those. They better not be one of those. Because I, I, uh, 
I might get a little bit of heat for this because I know we have Notre Dame and Clemson on the schedule. I think that game on the road at Wake Forest is the biggest must-win game for NC State on the schedule this year. I oh, think yeah. it's yeah. it's long overdue. We have got to find a way to win in Winston Salem. It's absolutely it's borderline embarrassing. We we got to have that game. <laughs> All right. So back-to-back road games. We're then on the road up in Blacksburg, taking on the Hokies of Virginia Tech. How do you see that one going down? Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely be a raucous environment up there and should be should be a fun trip if anyone wants to go up there. That is one of those places where you always want to go. But I think that NC State takes care of business on the road. I think that with the season closing in right here, I think that they have everything ready to go. They get the job done in Blacksburg and shut the Hokies up. All right, and then rounding them out here, Carolina, Carter Finley, Black Friday, or maybe it's Saturday this year. It's Saturday this year, yep. It's Saturday. Mm-hmm. What you got for us, Noah? Yeah, man, I got to go with the team that actually plays defense. So I think NC State <laughs> wins this one. I think that while Drake May is a very talented quarterback, they just don't have the talent around him on either side of the ball to really compete for an ACC title. And to be honest, I think that I think that NC State could put up a very good performance against them, especially if Nye's offense clicks. So one that I'm very, very excited about. Definitely. I think one of my favorite Kenton comments about UNC and Drake May is his, his biggest flaw is that he doesn't play defense, and they're going to need a whole <laughs> lot of help on that side of the ball. But All right, so Noah Teague, you got us at 8-4 and four this year. Very respectable. We actually had Brett Freelander on the program yesterday. He also had us at 8-4. and four. We're going to keep track of all of our guests and their predicted records, and we're going to tally them up. I'm going to make a graphic so we can see how it all shakes out uh, for everyone joining the program. But Noah Teague of The Technician, thanks again for joining us, Noah. We really appreciate you coming on with us. Absolutely. Anytime. Hopefully recurring guest, Noah Teague. (laughs) All right. Another great guest to have on the show here. As I mentioned, we are trying to build out uh, kind of like a roster of guests to have on here regularly. So I think Noah... Fits that just fine. Uh, Noah had us at eight and four this season. Again, I will be making a graphic to demonstrate, or I guess display is the word, uh, all of our guests and all their predictions in comparison to ours. Uh, But just summarizing everything else, five captains are named. I think that was appropriately chosen. And I guess maybe a sneak peek for tomorrow's show, we're going to have Corey Smith of 24-7 Sports and slash or Pack Pride on the program. Big time guest for us on here very happy to have Corey on so we'll uh we'll be letting everybody know when that one is out i'm sure that's going to be uh heavily attended by all of our listeners um so that's going to do it for us here on wednesday as always thank you so very much for tuning in with us mashing that like button dropping those comments in the comment box and always hitting that subscribe as well that's going to do it for us go pack go pack